This episode is sponsored by Linode. Linode is offering listeners of this podcast a $20 credit, which is good for four free months at their lowest plan. Their plans start at one gigabyte of RAM for $5 a month. You can get your servers in any of their 10 data centers, and their high memory plans start at 16 gigabytes. Get a server running in under a minute. They do hourly billing with a monthly cap on all plans and add-on services like backups, node balancers, long view, etc. VMs for full control, running Docker containers, encrypted disks, VPNs, etc. You can run a private Git server. They provide native SSD storage, 200 gigabit network, and Intel E5 processors. They have 24-7 friendly support, even on holidays, and a seven-day money-back guaranteed. So go check them out at linode.com slash javascriptjabber. Hey, everybody, and welcome to another episode of JavaScript Jabber. This week on our panel, we have Amy Knight, Corey House. Hello from sunny Kansas City. AJ O'Neill. Yo, 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 coming at you live from dry, dry Provo, Utah. Ah. I'm not anywhere near Provo, Utah this time. I'm Charles Maxwood from devchat.tv. I'm actually in Atlanta for the NG Atlanta conference. So... I was going to say, I'll see you in a couple days. I will right. be there in two days. Sweet! Yeah, they set me up with a room to do interviews, so I'll have to rope you into an interview. Sounds good. <laughs> All right. So yeah, That's so... Like a very, very meta JavaScript ever if we do that. Yeah. So um, just to kind of uh, introduce the topic, since it's episode 250 on the 50s, I like to just do kind of a celebration episode. Um, in the past, I've invited past panelists, but I got busy and I didn't do it. So um, so it's just us. So I thought to start out, we could just talk about where we're at these days, since I know that at least in Amy's and AJ's cases, uh, things have changed somewhat recently. And, uh, you know, just to let people know where you are and what kind of work you're doing these days. Um, so, Amy, why don't you start us off? Sure. So I am I'm still in Nashville, Tennessee. I contemplated moving um, this past summer, but I just love it here too much. I couldn't leave. <laughs> I love like my friends and family nearby. So um, I this is actually my second week at a new job. I left Warner Brothers two weeks ago, and I am working um, for a company that's local to Nashville. Um, they have business like all across the United States, but local to Nashville is called Build Technologies. And, um, you know, one thing that's really cool about here, I'll be um, working with, there's four other people that graduated from the same boot camp as I did. So I have like some friends here. One of my really, really, really close friends is starting also in a couple weeks. So um, still doing JavaScript, of course, uh, very happy about that, but I'll be now doing like more, uh, full staff rather than just front end. So I'm also happy. I know there's been a lot of people, you know, talk about specializing. I specialized like just doing front end when I was at Warner brothers, but, um, I really was ready to get back to full stack. I'm kind of excited about that. <laughs> nice. Awesome. All right. Good deal. All right. So, so yeah, well, that's, that's cool. And, I, I definitely, I mean, the reason I live in Utah is because my family's nearby. Of course, a lot of times that's more work than pleasure, but anyway. <laughs> yeah, I don't, I don't know. There's, so the company that I'm at, a couple people just are, that are kind of like, um, 
you know, prominent people in the Nashville tech community have um, recently switched to where I am as well. So I'm really excited about working with a lot of people here and um, just a lot of developers that I really look up to. So it's cool. Cool. So Corey, what, what are you up to these days? Are you still at the same place doing the same kinds of things? So I'm a man with uh, too many jobs going on. Uh, I, am <laughs> I know. I don't know how you do it. You're like always on everything. Yeah, I um, I don't know, because I, I enjoy what I do, so it never really feels like work. Uh, I'm still authoring courses for Pluralsight uh, and launched my ninth one uh, just a couple months ago. So I, I sort of feel like I'm on vacation because at the moment I'm not writing one. Usually I have one that I'm actively working on, but at the moment I have uh, outlines that I'm I'm working through for that next idea. Probably another one on React. Um uh, but I have two or three ideas in React that uh, I'm I'm churning on at the moment. What's the uh, most? Re- oh, can I ask what the most recent one you finished was? Yeah, so that was React the Big Picture, which is kind of a strange thing for me to go back to because I've done more re- advanced courses. But one thing that I realized was there was a, a piece lacking in the library, which was anybody that's considering React uh, having a short uh, conversation about why. Uh, React has become so popular, um, what the trade-offs are when you accept it, and then perhaps most importantly for people uh, is what are the things that are potentially going to bite me? What are the pain points that I should know about now before I get in? Because every technology, regardless of how popular it is, has its uh, pluses and minuses. So that was, strangely enough, one of the most fun pieces that I put together was the list of reasons not to use React as somebody who's uh, obviously a pretty big fan of it. And uh, the most odd side note on that is um, uh, Dan uh, Ebramov, who uh, is actually on the uh, React team, was the person who gave me the most gunfire for why not to use React, because he's just one of those people who is very balanced and um, able to state uh, very clearly the, the merits of a technology. So I, I love I love it when people who are are deep in the 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 bowels of a technology can recognize the, the downsides without becoming blind to fanboyism. Um, so, so that's been a lot of fun uh, getting courses out there, still enjoying that. And increasingly I've been uh, doing consulting uh, in React in particular. So um, that's been one of those things that has been a eye opener to me was uh, my consulting practice really took off once I, decided to specialize in React. Uh, once I set up a site that was specifically for that, uh, focused all my efforts on that area, that ecosystem, uh, recognizing there are a lot of people that are just trying to uh, accelerate their, their teams uh, move over there. Uh, so that has me uh, traveling around more. I just got back from Portugal. Uh, that was my first visit there. Uh, ended up getting... Uh, <laughs> learning a little bit of Portuguese along the way, but uh, I found Spanish, knowing Spanish didn't get me near as far as I hoped it would. So <laughs> it is a very different language for sure. Uh, and then, so uh, last but not least, of course, so I uh, am still a uh, software architect, or actually I was retitled recently as principal engineer at uh, Cox Automotive. So that is my uh, day gig um, that I'm still thoroughly enjoying. We're all working in React and really I'm leading a team of uh, specialists. Uh, in React here. So effectively for the, the enterprise, we're building reusable components, we're uh, supporting other teams, embedding with them, uh, and and really supporting a, an in-house framework that is a sort of a fork of Create React app with a reusable component library and 
uh, all sorts of tooling uh, to make it easy to build uh, front-end apps in a consistent, uh, reliable way. So yeah, that's uh, <laughs> that's enough to keep me going. Holy cow! So you eat intravenously and you sleep sometimes. <laughs> <laughs> that's all I can think. I know, right? It's good fun. Oh, and then I also get to do JavaScript Jabber once a week. That's fun. <laughs> Love this. All right, cool. Joe just joined us. Joe, do you want to talk about what you've got going on these days? Oh, geez, I suppose. First off, I've got a cold, so I sound a little funny. I don't know if you guys can hear it. Sometimes it seems like I sound terrible. <clears throat> not not ter too terribly different. You sound a little bit deeper, but that's about it. All right, so... um. Yeah, the last uh, while has been interesting for me. Um, being on the podcast has always been still a highlight of my week. Anyway, I think one of the best things to do is to go to some events and have somebody come introduce and say, man, I love listening to the podcasts. Uh, one of my favorite experiences, of course, of all time was to meet some guy who was wearing a JavaScript Jabber podcast and chat with him for a while. This is the days when Jameson was on the show. Mm -hmm. And he was, I was like, oh, are you a fan of the podcast? He says, oh, yeah, I love those guys. They're great. And I said, he's like, especially really like Jameson. I said, yeah, Jameson's a great guy. He's like, oh, do you know Jameson? And I was like, oh, yeah, I know Jameson a little bit. <laughs> it, took him, it took him a while before he finally said, hey, wait, here, Joe, you're, you're on the show, too. <laughs> yeah. I thought that was pretty funny. But um, so me personally, I'm doing a lot of... Uh, Still a lot of plural site work, and always I'm putting together more and more conferences. So it's a little bit uh, early here. I've got a couple of potentially really huge announcements uh, to make here, but it's actually just a tiny bit early for both of them. So I won't spill the beans, but I've got a couple of really big conferences in the works right now. Right. Yeah. Are you starting any new podcasts coming up soon? I am starting one new podcast. Uh, uh, it's actually in conjunction with some other projects that I'm doing, but Chuck and I and a few other people are going to be doing a podcast on View. Do we have a name for it yet, Chuck? Yeah, Views on View is what I've decided to call it. I really like it. You're pretty clever with your uh, podcast names. So I'm excited to start that. What are we starting, like a week, two weeks is our first episode? Um, it's a week from, <clears throat> two weeks from Friday, I think, because I'm traveling this week and next week, so... Yeah, well, so we'll be recording roughly when this comes out, right? Yeah. So, yeah, when this comes out, we'll probably have a couple episodes live. Yeah. So that's a really cool thing is to get to start up a new podcast on View. Um, I'm just a big fan of technology in general. So, um, Chuck, are you starting up another podcast as well beyond this one? Yeah, I was going to talk about that in a minute, but I'm also starting up a React <laughs> podcast. So. Yeah, so I really... Uh, we we talked about uh, being on that one, but but I can't just I just can't do four podcasts. That's already bad enough doing two and then adding on a third one. So yeah, yeah. But uh, I'm really excited to start the the View podcast and um, be involved in that. I've been enjoying playing around with View and learning View and and seeing what it is. Uh, I it's it's almost sad that there hasn't been enough new shiny toys lately. That um, which is weird, right? Like we're hitting this some weird stabilization. I know it's not going to last long. Pretty soon we're all going to be doing Elm 
compiling to WebAssembly, but we won't be writing it in Elm. We'll be writing it in Iron Python or something. Oh, there you go. <laughs> Iron Python. <laughs> I love it. <laughs> but um, yeah, so that's that's what I've been doing. We're right in the thick of planning ng-conf right now. Uh, this will be year five and hopefully our best year ever. And so that takes up a lot of my time and I'm just putting up, I just put up the wrapping touches on uh, six or seven hours worth of courses on migrating from AngularJS to Angular. Uh, I put out a big picture course on Angular recently. I'm going to put out a course on testing Angular pretty quick. I've got an update to my Webpack course that's going to come out. And then um, who knows, I've got uh, a lot of irons in the fire on future things to do, but um, that's pretty much it for me. Nice. And your courses are all going to be on Pluralsight as well? Yeah, all these ones are on Pluralsight still. Awesome. Good to know. Yep. Um, Trying to keep up with uh, Corey, who's been uh, really killing it lately, putting out awesome courses. Yeah. Corey yeah. practically works for Pluralsight now, right? Yeah. His big picture <laughs> React course is actually really excellent. So whether you do or you don't do React, it's an absolutely a great way to spend an hour of your day. It's, it's about 50 minutes or 65 minutes, Corey. That's right. Thank you, Joe. Yeah. Yeah, I went through and watched that one. Always good to be uh, stay educated on everything that's going on. Um, I've done some React, but it was uh, great to see sort of that high-level view again. And uh, I put out a big picture course on Angular. I think those these sorts of courses are valuable. Right. Even if you're doing them to kind of step back and see the viewpoint of somebody who's really an expert and has their um, finger on the pulse of what's going on. So, yeah, if you get time, go check out Corey's big picture react course. Yeah, that makes sense. I, I love the idea of the big picture courses because then I can go and I can look at big picture angular, big picture react, big picture view, and then decide if I need a front end framework, which one kind of looks the best to me. So. Right. And, yeah. So AJ, what are you working on these days? So I did a little bit of side work that was kind of interesting recently. And it, so there's a fork of Bitcoin called Dash. And uh -huh. they're, they're, there's actually a company that sponsors it. So it's got this kind of dual organizational structure that there's a company, but there's also community. And the benefit that that gives is that when protocol changes need to happen in order to benefit people, like, for example, transaction fees to go lower, increasing the block size so that more messages can go in at a time, things like that, um, they go through pretty smoothly without a lot of bike shedding and resistance. So it seems like um, I'm not necessarily uh, an advocate of blockchain currencies. I'm not going to preach to you. Certainly, I would not say that you should invest in them because if it's a currency, that would not be something that you invest in other than, you know, like Iraqi dinars back when there was that whole investment thing with that. You know, it generally doesn't turn out well. But as a currency, as something to exchange value back and forth, to me, Dash seems like it's going to be one of the more... Um, stable and usable cryptocurrencies uh, as as the bubble kind of evens out and it becomes clear like which cryptocurrency is useful for what type of thing. Um, and so I learned a lot about the blockchain itself because I had to 
I had to read up on the the web APIs, the binary RPCs, you know, that whole gambit of um, stuff from from here to there. And so that that was actually really fun and, and really interesting. And I'm I'm going to continue probably doing some more work in the Dash community. Um, also, another thing that I'm really interested in in getting to the product stage is a domain service that will allow you to be able to use devices in your home, whether it be your computer or Raspberry Pi or um, something like that, a, a dynamic domain service that not just handles that the DNS is dynamically updated, but also handles that devices get assigned names so that you could access specific devices that you own um, and you know potentially retrieve content off of them, as well as handling... Um, so there, there'd be you know a little bit of software that that comes with this, and handling the NAT PNP UPnP of the router or tunneling so that so that uh, right now it's it, it's small niche focus would be just more on hobbyist students, high school students, college students, boot camp students, um, people that that the thing and I think I had this uh, in a in a talk I gave or a podcast I mentioned before, but. What I want to get to for people, what I want to help them accomplish is that point where you're starting out, you've got your hello world, you're ready for interactivity, and you want to be able to call up mom and say, hey, mom, check out this cool thing I did. And mom can click a button and something happens and you can click a button and something happens again. And I don't see that being solved on local host because obviously your mom can't get to your local host. Um, but I think that once this connectivity or barrier is broken down to where a device that you can hold in your hands can, can be accessed in some capacity by someone that you care about somewhere else, I think it's going to open a door for a new wave of decentralized innovation. And I think that it's going to be a very efficient and very powerful decentralized innovation. So that's, that's my gut speaking. And, and that's one thing that I'm, I'm really focused on. Super cool. Also, I got married. I, I think I mentioned that in one of my since since the last time we did status updates, but um, <laughs> and that that has been a a good experience. And I'm kind of one of those introspective people, and and so just a change of state of life, of perspective, um, just very interesting uh, new experience for me. Awesome. All right. Well, I, I should chime in here with a few things. So I'm at NG Atlanta and, um, you know, that's one of the things that I've been doing a bit more of lately is just going to the conferences. Uh, the idea kind of sprung out of going to some of the Microsoft events, um, and doing some of those recordings. You've gotten some of those on this show. Uh, you know, if you've been listening for a while, um, in fact, I actually met one of the Microsoft folks that had been on one of the episodes, uh, here at the NG girls event. Um, where they're teaching people Angular. But um, anyway, so I actually was sponsored to come out here and do video interviews with folks. And so, um, you know, I, I hooked up some video equipment and I'll be, uh, you know, talking to that. It'll all show up on the YouTube channel, devchat.tv slash YouTube. And so I'm starting to head a little bit more into the video realm. And then um, I've gotten just a ton of requests for various podcast topics. 
uh, one of the ones that I got requested the most was React. And so I'm pulling together a show called React Roundup, um, and uh, we're pulling some folks in. So if you listen to React Native Radio with Nader Dabit, he's going to be on there. Uh, Kent C. Dodds is going to be on there. Uh, Tara Manixic, I think that's how you say her name, from Progress is also going to be on there. And um, so, yeah, so we're, we're pulling that together, and that should be fun. Um, and then, as Joe mentioned, um, you know, we're pulling together a view podcast and we've got some folks lined up for that as well. Um, Eric Hanchett, I think is his name. He, he's the author of view, view JS in prog or in action. Um, so he's going to be on there and then we've got share. Uh, I don't remember her name, but, uh, anyway, it should be really fun to just pull all this together and, uh, you know, just kind of see where things are going to wind up with a lot of these frameworks. But even if they don't go that far, um, you know, because Vue is growing, but I, I'm really bad at predicting, you know, where things are going to end up. You know, is there going to be a, a new React that kind of takes over the framework arena or not? I don't know. So, but but it's fun to just build these communities within the communities and, and have those conversations. So we're starting new shows. I'm also playing with the idea of starting shows up on like... Um, Artificial intelligence, machine learning, IoT, uh, uh, augmented reality and virtual reality, game development, uh, Python, those have all also come up. And I'm also in the process, probably sooner than any of those, of pulling together a show on Elixir. And that comes out of mostly my support for the Ruby community on Ruby Rogues. So um, that those are kind of the things that I'm working on. Um, I'm also pulling together a speaker roster for... Uh, React Developer Summit, which is an online event. Um, it's free to attend live. So if you see a talk you want to go to and you don't have money, that's fine. You know, just show up. Um, but if you want the videos and uh, some of the bonuses that I'm working on pulling together, then you, you know, then you buy a ticket. Um, but anyway, that should that should all be fun. And those are all kinds of the things that I'm working on. And then just getting the processes for putting podcasts together. Um, nailed down so that I can essentially just point somebody at those directions and have them off and running without having to do too much uh, work or training and making sure that you all get a consistent experience with the podcast. So, um, you know, kind, kind of interesting um, focus on things that's a little bit different from, I guess, people who are out there uh, writing code day in and day out for cash um, or making courses. Um, I, I have been working on some courses um, you know, I'm trying to get the final version of my how to find a job course out, but you know, that, that's not really my main focus in a lot of ways. So anyway, it's kind of interesting. I'm curious what you all have coming up this year. Like what, what you know, what are you focused on? What are you learning about? Amy recommended this in the chat channel, and I think it's a terrific uh, question. So, um, yeah, what, what, what are we looking forward to this year? Um, Amy, since you recommended this question why don't you start yeah so um i'm kind of a couple different things so beginning of this year um i still have a couple more conferences um where i'm giving uh this talk i've been giving this about css and deep diving into that uh so that's what i'll be doing at ng atlanta and um a couple others i will be speaking at FluentConf, which i'm super excited about because that's has been one of my goals for a long time um, to speak there. So um, Ooh, I have that. Congratulations. Thank you. I am, I'm thrilled. <laughs> so I'll be, you know, tweaking my talk more and more for that. 
um, just as I, you know, it stuff's always evolving. So I'm always updating my talk with like more content and stuff. So that's at the beginning of the year. And then I want to, you know, some people might think this is a little crazy, but I have spent so much time focused on the front end that I think for the better half of the year and the end of the year, I really want to like deep dive into the back end, but at a lot lower, you know, a lot lower than just like Node and JavaScript. So um, I'm going to start learning Rust. So this has like nothing to do with yeah, this has absolutely nothing to do with work whatsoever. Um, it's just for a long time, you know, I've played around a little bit with like Haskell and Elm, but I wanted to, you know, do a language that really um, makes me think about how I write JavaScript differently because it's just like a, a, something completely different. So like I ran this like Twitter poll or something and asked people if they thought I should learn Go or Rust um, or, or Haskell. Or, you know, or I think it was Scala because I was interested in Scala. But I think like, you know, Go is probably the most practical of those three. But I also think it's probably not that Go is not challenging, but it's also, you know, more similar to JavaScript than Rust or something like that. So um, that's kind of like another thing that I'm going to be looking at. And I know so AJ doesn't believe in in. in quote unquote, investing in cryptocurrency. <laughs> but uh, for me, you know, I don't do it, you know, to make money necessarily. I don't do it for, at all for that. I just do it because I'm interested in it. But, you know, making a little bit of money on the side doesn't hurt with it. So I'm always, um, you know, as it has been a couple of my picks lately, like different coins and stuff that I've been buying and stuff like that. So I will continue on with that. And then anybody who follows me on Twitter, like outside of programming. So I know like AJ mentioned um, getting married. Not That's not the case for me, but <laughs> outside of programming, I've been like super focused. Um, I've always been into running and lifting, but I've been lifting heavier and heavier and heavier. So uh, I've been tweeting about that here and there as I'm like in the gym going really heavy. So that's kind of what I've been focused on this year and what I'll be focusing on the rest of the year. I'll try not to offend you while you're here so you don't beat me up. <laughs> Very cool. What do you see coming for you, Corey? Well, so uh, I've been thinking about broadening my horizons on uh technical side a bit. Uh, they're, the single technology that I'm most excited about this year is GraphQL. Um, oh, yeah. I, I have... I've held it at arm's length deliberately because early on I looked at it and I was very excited about it, but I saw a core problem with it, which was I felt like for it to create uh, adoption required uh, front-end developers to get excited about it, but then they needed to have the power to actually get it implemented on the back end. And um, despite that still being an ongoing concern for me, uh, I think it, uh, I'm seeing increasingly interest uh, in backend developer and service developers uh, having interest in putting it to use. And then I've also just found out very recently that you can uh, rather easily take an existing RESTful API, wrap it in GraphQL, and suddenly get all the goodness that comes with it. So all of a sudden, now you can jump into Gravical, you can run queries on that data. Uh, so it makes it very, very discoverable. Now, all of a sudden, uh, behind the scenes, GraphQL can be managing the fact that it might take multiple HTTP requests to return the data structure that you need. 
But that whole story, yes, it can be done with with RESTful APIs, but GraphQL just makes it so uh, so easy and gives you such a clear path. So I'm I'm really bullish on on it for this year. What I also see is I originally looked at GraphQL as something that was specific to React, and um, I've uh, since realized that that's not at all the case. That GraphQL is really just a specification, and uh, so because of that. You are. Uh, you can use GraphQL with Angular, with Vue, uh, with Ember. It's there are uh, bindings out there for uh, different libraries uh, to pull all this together. And I, I shouldn't say bindings, libraries that, that allow you to um, interact there because effectively you're you're making a call to an endpoint and sending it uh, some data. So that there's really nothing inherently tied to React there. So, so that's probably the single technology that I'm uh, planning to dive deep on. Uh, also, my other probably secondaries are uh, AWS is uh, big for me. We've adopted it heavily um, at my full-time job here at Cox Automotive, and I'm really enjoying uh, working with it. Um, obviously, a very powerful platform. And then Docker as well. Um, I'm excited about the opportunities to use Docker as a front-end developer. Because uh, w- one pain point that I keep seeing right now is Lots of us are out here creating uh, boilerplates or more comprehensive starter kits, things like Create React App or Ember CLI. Uh, and those are really cool, but they do rely on Node on your machine. And they do, in that case, end up having some potentially quirky behaviors depending on your OS and the version of Node that you're running and the permissions that you have on your machine uh, and, and so on. So I see an opportunity to use Docker to create more consistency across teams so that I stop having this conversation around what version of Node are you on, what OS are you on? Because uh, we have spent a fair amount of time of squashing issues that are specific to platforms. So I, I really like all the power that you get uh, from something like Docker. Uh, so I, I think with those three, that'll, that'll be a pretty uh, busy year for me. Um, and then the other thing I'm doing is uh, just always trying new things in, in conference talks. Uh, I have a... Uh, uh, sort of a careers talk that's been churning in my head that I'm started submitting um, that I'm calling at the moment going pro. I'm just thinking about how you draw a line between uh, what makes a professional software developer, uh, and I, because that's a heck of a gray line, and everybody wants to think of themselves as a professional, and really it's a it's a spectrum of of how seriously somebody chooses to take your career. So it's really a conversation about. If you want to turn it up to 10, what does that look like, both good and bad? So I'm having a lot of fun writing that talk right now. This episode is sponsored by Kendo UI. Kendo UI allows you to build better apps faster. They have a comprehensive library ranging from data grids and charts to buttons and sliders. Plus, you can use their components as plain JavaScript as well as in Angular, React, and Vue. They have a large collection of customizable popular themes like Bootstrap and Material. Go check them out at javascriptjabber.com slash kendoui. Nice. That's awesome. And I really love the ideas around Docker. Um, when I talked to Derek uh, Bailey, um, his ideas around Docker were mostly centered around the team using it to get a consistent environment. And people would ask him about using it on the server for deployments and stuff, and he'd be like, I don't even care about that. And so... <laughs> Yeah, it's, it's it's really funny just to hear you say it, and also you're talking about all these starter kits, and I I just love love the idea of being able to say, um, you know, look, run this script, it'll set up Docker on your computer, you know, be it Windows or Mac, and then 
you just run this container and then you've got the exact same environment that I have. Exactly. Yeah, it just takes another set of potential variables out of the way. I yeah. love how quickly it can stand something up that's reliable. Awesome. Um, AJ, what do you see coming down the pipe for you this year? Well, I I spoke to some of that already. Um, one, of, one of the other things I didn't mention is that I've been trying to learn a lot more about business. Um, in the past, I kind of thought, oh, this legal stuff and paperwork and blah, blah, blah. You know, I just wish somebody else would do all that for me. And and over time, I've come to realize there's a lot of value in, in uh, knowing how to do those things yourself. And and um, there's a lot of power from people that I've talked to in being a CEO, CTO combo of someone who's who's willing to take both technical ends and business ends and, and uh, you know, push, push business with, with both of those perspectives. And so I've been, I've been listening to more audio books about that. Um, I'm getting enrolled in a local business boot camp called startup ignition, which is, there's a, a guy that he's, I'm pretty sure he's, he's a millionaire. He's one of those very helpful people in the community. He used to be a professor at BYU. Um, and he just, he just does a lot to help people get started with their business. And then, um, you know, he's happy to meet with people for lunch and give feedback and that sort of thing. He's just, just a great guy. And so he does some of these classes and they're for pay, of course, because he wants to attract the type of people that are serious about, you know, learning what he has to offer and, uh, whatnot. And so I, I've enrolled in that, got a list of books to read and started on some of them. Um, so I, I really think that this year I'm going to become much more of a business person than I, than I thought that I wanted to be. And I, I feel really motivated to, to do that. Um, and I don't know. I mean, the future is, uh, what does Yoda say? Something like the future is very fluid, always moving. You can never know for sure what's, what's up ahead. Just, just good guesses. <laughs> so, um, I'm, I'm trying out different things and, uh, just, uh, it's, it's nice to, to be a, in a, an exploratory phase and have some of that zest of life of, of learning new things and, and, uh, getting into new groups of people and whatnot for sure. Yeah, makes sense. Uh, what's the course called if people are interested in there somewhere in the Utah area? Oh, Startup Ignition. There's one in Salt Lake. There's one in Provo. And they they kind of run for a couple months and then have a break and then run for a couple months. So it's it's kind of like a code boot camp. It's like 11 or 12 weeks or something like that. And there's time that's in class with everybody. Um, then there's one-on-one mentoring and it's uh, it's an evening class for most of the sessions, I think. Uh, and then at the end, there's another class or two where everybody gets back together and shows like the progress that they've made and how they've applied principles and how things are working for their their business that they're starting or growing or whatever. Nice. I'll, I'll just step in here. I mean, you know, similar to what I, you know, I've already talked a, a bit to this. Mostly at this point, what I see coming this year is just getting some of these newer shows started 
And then um, I, I hired a new business coach at the beginning of the year. And their focus is on helping you systemize a lot of your business. Basically, one of the quote unquote products of my business is essentially the the handbook on how to do what we do. And so I think probably at least the next six months I'm going to be doing that. And then I'll be able to expand what I'm doing to other areas. But but that's a big push for me. And then the only other thing that I have that I haven't mentioned yet is that I've been actually building software to help me manage the podcasts. And I'm hoping to have that together and launched uh, by this summer um, to help manage a lot of that movement and things like that. So um, it's going to be like Uber for podcasts. I don't know about that, but it'll (laughs) I mean, it's all the scheduling and management and show notes and RSS feed management and sponsorship management and all of that uh, stuff that you kind of have going on that is fairly routine. I mean, the only parts of it that are not routine or not things that I can just automate away are basically talking to sponsors and getting, you know, doing sales calls and a few things like that. I mean, most of the rest of it is, um, you know, it's, it's pretty routine, you know, putting in banners, uh, you know, I I have to record the, the spots for the shows, but other than that, um, you know, it, like I said, it's pretty routine. So just, uh, setting all that up so that it's easily tracked and easily managed, um, just makes things pretty, uh, you know, anyway, I feel like a lot of other podcasters would benefit from that. So I'm, I'm launching a SaaS and systemizing the podcasts and all of that stuff at the same time. And it keeps me plenty busy. Um, I expect it to be a billion dollar business, Chuck. <laughs> yeah. Am I doing it in Ruby? It's, it's Ruby on the back end. Um, so <laughs> I just, I've been building it in rails because it's what I'm used to. It's, it's yep. pretty, it's what you can get done fast. Yep, exactly. And that that's more important to me on something like this than some of these other ones. I'd like to start a video series where I explore different backend languages and frameworks and the same with front end languages and frameworks. But I just I'm not there. It's something that I may start like second quarter or second or third quarter this year. But uh, where I'm at right now is mostly just focused around those things, you know, the conferences, the the podcasts and then getting this uh, piece of software together. And even if I'm the only person that ever uses it, if it takes enough of my uh, management issues off my plate, then it's still worth it. So um, I have to say that the front end is it's all server rendered with Ruby. And then, um, you know, I've, I've used jQuery where I've needed to. Um, I find that I, I'm trying to figure out if I want to try and sprinkle Angular through it and just, you know, manage the areas that really kind of need the front end managed with something like Angular or React, or if I want to just, forget it and just use jQuery because I don't have a ton of stuff that really needs to be heavily managed, um, uh, animated or anything like that. And most of the data is pretty static and I don't think it's going to be an app that people live in all day, every day. So anyway, it just, for me, I don't know if it meets all the use cases for using a large front end framework on, but anyway, we we can have that argument on another show. I didn't think there was any argument. I think we all agree it's a good tool for the job. I think we should argue <laughs> just, over it. Or just vanilla JavaScript. We can argue that. We should absolutely argue Do over it. Do you really need jQuery? I think I, that was I, like I, a I, thing I, three I, years ago. I was so ready to start the fight now. Yeah. I disagree, Joe. The ones without arguments are best. <laughs> <laughs> so it's Joe's turn. So, Joe, what, what do you have coming up this year? Oh, well, I've got... Um, one big, huge conference that's coming up 
Um, again, I'm wasn't I'm not quite ready to announce it yet, but it'll be very soon. I think we're actually going to have a special episode about it. Uh, I'm hoping that I'm going to have two big, huge conferences coming up this year, but the other one is really speculative at the moment, so can't even talk about it. But those are big things that are coming up this year for me. Uh, another big change that um, may come up this year is I may be changing a little bit on how I'm, you know, I've been doing education for so dang long and I love doing it and I don't want to get out of it, but I may just be changing the venue on how I do education work. Mm -hmm. You know, Plural Side has um, um, been really an awesome place for me to work and produce courses. And I'm hoping that I can expand what I've been doing for Plural Side, whether that's with Plural Side or some other venues. I'm hoping to just do more educational work and more conferences as well. And um, with a few podcasts, I'm, yeah, so I'm hoping to get more into uh, doing some view education um, in addition to the angular education that I've already been doing and um, just just moving on in the same in the same manner these last this last year has been pretty big for me personally my parents have uh, both required a lot of caretaking so I've been doing a lot more of stuff like that and uh, uh, I haven't been able to focus as much on my career in the last year for very for that reason. And so I'm hoping that this next year will be uh, uh, where, one where I can do a lot more uh, with my career than I have been able to do in the last year. Mm -hmm. Hugs, I, I know how that goes. Yeah, me too. Yeah. Well, so that's good deal. Yeah, it's it's interesting how you know things change. You know, you you branch out into new areas, and you know you have these opportunities. It's exciting to see where you're going to wind up with a lot of this stuff. Yeah. Yeah. You know, it's funny. Um, things have uh, uh, happened recently that have been really bad for my career uh -huh. overall. And then I was I was kind of down because it was also happening at the same time that I was having a lot of uh, personal uh, issues, mostly with caretaking for my parents, uh, but some other stuff as well. And so I was really frustrated with my career and where it was at at the moment. And then I remembered to look back every time I had something really terrible happen career wise. It always turned out to um, lead to something, you know, far more amazing, like being on this podcast, uh, which is the first podcast I started doing with Chuck was this podcast. But being on this was a result of some a really bad job. And I was so frustrated with it that I just um, decided to go off and, and look at doing other things about my career. And that's how I started going to the JavaScript meetups at Utah.js. That's how I met Chuck and got on to this podcast. So. It ended up being a huge thing for me uh, with that job. At the same time, uh, that same job led me to working for Pluralsight and authoring, which um, let me go full time and uh, leave doing a regular job, which I still loved doing my regular job. But um, it allowed me to work full time on education, which I just love. Um, just love doing education. So it's been great for me. Um, so every time something bad has happened, it's always led to something better. So I just try to keep that in mind that, you know, this next year, I think was going to be a great year just because of the fact that the last year has been pretty rough. <laughs> I think I needed to hear that. <laughs> All right. <laughs> well, I know that uh, some of you have some uh, hard time stops coming up. So let's go ahead and move over to picks. Do you run your own freelance business? Or maybe you're thinking about picking up some business on the side. 
Well, then you need FreshBooks. FreshBooks is the quickest and easiest way to get invoices out to your clients. It's easy to use. It works anywhere, available from any device, uh, on the desktop, iPhone, iPad, Android, and all of your data is backed up and secure. And it makes it really easy to get organized and get paid. You'll be tracking time, logging expenses, and invoicing your clients in no time. You can also save time billing, freeing up several days per month to focus on the work that you love, and you get paid faster. FreshBooks customers are paid on average five days faster because there's a link on the invoice that says pay me now. And it's a great way to grow your business. Plus, FreshBooks is offering a 30-day trial. That's right, 30-day trial if you try them out. So go to gofreshbooks.com slash devchat and enter devchat in the how did you hear about us section. Once again, for a 30-day trial, go to gofreshbooks.com slash devchat and enter devchat in the how did you hear about us section. Corey, do you want to start us off with picks? Okay. Uh, yeah, I'm going to go with a pick that uh, is a tweet that I tweeted out uh, yesterday that blew up bigger than I would have guessed. So almost 1,300 likes in a little over 24 hours. And it's all about a JavaScript tip about how you can easily simulate named function parameters. Uh, and this had never occurred to me, but you, we all understand, if you understand modern JavaScript, you already understand how to do this. Uh, it's really a two-step process. Um, you have your function accept an object instead of plain arguments, and then um, use destructuring. And by doing that, people can declare which pieces of the object they want to work with. You can declare, of course, default values for any pieces of that object. And you don't have to worry about things like uh, Boolean variables not being very readable or magic numbers not being clear. Uh, you've probably had this before where you put arguments in the wrong order. Um, that, that sort of thing goes away. So pretty cool little uh, JavaScript tip that I stumbled across. Uh, so I'll share that in the notes. Uh, that's my pick. Awesome. Joe, what are your picks? All right, so I got one pick. I've been putting together a website for a new conference that I'm putting together. And um, they we're running on a tight budget, so we didn't want to hire a designer. I've, and I've had some bad experiences sometimes with spending $20,000 on some little dinky website, custom built and, custom, you know, just mostly static websites. And, and so we wanted to live on our tight budget. And I was looking for some tools, and Merrick Christensen happens to work at a company called Webflow that produces a product called Webflow that is kind of, in, in essence, a competitor to um, WordPress. It's sort of, you know, in, in, in some small sense, in the sense that, or maybe more like, uh, what is it, uh, Wix? I mm -hmm. think that's one of the ones where you can, you know, kind of anybody can sort of do it and create their own website, right? And so I decided to check it out. And it's actually super cool because not only does it include the ability to build the website, you know, you're, you know, kind of visually drag and put together your website and you can buy templates, which is great for somebody like me who's really terrible with design, right? But um, also it has uh, a built-in CMS, they call it. So basically you can go in there and you can, um, you can add data elements and define them. And then you can put in a little section that says, hey, in this section, this comes from this collection. You know, it's basically kind of a non-relational collection. Um, I think sort of document database, but kind of built into the whole thing. And you could say this element comes from that, and then it just repeats it, and you can tell it what fields come from where. So it's, it's kind of funny. It's almost uh, a, it's a pretty reasonable step between uh, just drag and drop building a website and a tiny bit of you know data 
um, driven website as well. And finding templates for it was great. I've just been having a really good time and they got good documentation. I mean, I don't know if really having a really good time is exactly it. It's not my favorite activity in the world, but it's it's been pretty well. So I think it's a really cool place to go. If you're not a design-oriented person and you don't want to spend 100 hours putting together a custom website, this is pretty cool. Um, so this is that's my, my that's my pick is Webflow. Awesome. Uh, AJ, what are your picks? So I think, I don't know if I picked this last week or not, but there's a YouTube series called How to Start a Startup. And it's 20 videos that are about 45 minutes, I think is the average time each. Um, they are from the people of Y Combinator, including founders, people that went through and were very successful. And they talk about different topics. And one that I was kind of tipping a hat to earlier when I was jokingly saying it's going to be the Uber of podcasts was that it, it, scratching your own itch um, is the way that, that most of these wonderful companies were started is somebody had a problem and they were um, you know, just going after it. So I've really been enjoying um, watching and listening to that. And then I've got another one. There is uh, an Indian film. It's in Hindi. Well, Hinglish, whatever you want to call it. Um, because it, it does have a bunch of English phrases from, thrown in there, but it's got English subtitles, and it's called Singham, S-I-N-G-H-A-M. And it is pretty much, um, you've probably seen the clip on YouTube with this guy reaching up in a car that's tumbling overhead and like pulls the bad guy out and slams him on the ground. It's just an awesome Bollywood film, and I think that... Anyone who can laugh at the ridiculousness of an extreme action movie would love it. So, you know, go grab it on Amazon and and just enjoy the whole thing. Uh, Eastern movies are great. I've I've come to be a little bit more familiar with them as I've been on flights to like China and India and whatnot. And I love Eastern film. Like it's it's generally from what I've seen a lot cleaner than American film. And just even though they, you know, still have bad guys that kill people and whatnot, it feels a little more lighthearted, a little more fun. And then there's like dancing and singing, like basically these action movies are also musicals. Uh, so it's, I don't know. I like it. I like it and I'd recommend it. Awesome. Amy, what are your picks? Yep. So, uh, the first one, non code related, really, um, it is called Improving Yourself to Death. Uh, so this was in The New Yorker. And, you know, we've talked like a little bit here and there. I think some of my picks have been towards like mindfulness and stuff like that. So, um, you know, I I feel like these kind of articles maybe are better geared towards certain people. Like I know for me, um, I am extremely type A, very driven. So having articles like this are good reminders for myself that sometimes it's good to like take a walk and rest and just be mindful for a while. <laughs> um, so that was pretty good. And then the other one, this one is really good actually. Um, and it's called, uh, what does code readability mean? And so that's like a very catchy title, but I think a lot of the points that this makes um 
are worth contemplating. And basically, like the premise is just that, you know, most of the time when we say this code isn't readable, um, it's kind of coming from like our own uh, like insufficiencies and stuff like that. Um, you know, yes, the code a lot of times can be more readable, but a lot of times, you know, it's it's just like our inexperience or something with it. So it, like it talks about that a little bit, but then it just also talks about um, how to get better at writing more readable code. So uh, I would say this is like good for anybody at, at any level. It was a really good article. So I'll put links to both those in the show notes. That's it for me. Awesome. I'm going to chime in here with a few picks. Uh, one of them is if you are listening to this, you're probably thinking Chuck sounds a little bit different. I mentioned I'm at a conference, so I'm just going to talk a little bit about uh, what I'm recording on on the conference. Um, first of all, I'm using an ATR 2100 microphone costs about 60 bucks on Amazon. Um, and it does, I, I think I have the, um, cardioid pickup pattern turned off. So I think it's just picking up the whole room, which means that you're probably getting a little bit more echo. Um, I could switch it, but at this point, you know, you would just pick up the difference in sound. So, um, I'll just leave it, but it does USB and, um, it also does XLR, so if you're hooking into a, um, a mixer or anything like that, then you know you can do both. Um, and since I'm here, I brought with me my uh, Zoom H6, which um, I've, I've already done some recording with today, um, and uh, you know it has XLR, so you know I could just hook it into there and it power my mic. Um, so it's it's pretty great. I'm pretty happy with it. Um, and yeah, and then I've just got it hooked up and I got have my AirPods in my ear, my ears so that uh, the microphone isn't picking up everybody else talking. And that's pretty much all I'm doing is I'm just recording this into my laptop using Ecamm Call Recorder. So um, yeah, so that really, really helps and I'm pretty happy with it. Um, and then yeah, I'm going to be doing some videos here at NG Atlanta. So I'm going to pick that um, if you're interested in seeing conversations that I have with the speakers and other folks who are here. Uh, definitely check that out. Um, Progress, who does Kendo UI, actually paid for that uh, this trip. So, you know, kudos to them. They're actually, uh, you know, I guess full disclaimer, um, they're sponsoring this show and they're also sponsoring the React show when it comes out. So, um, you know, I do have a sponsorship relationship with them, but Kendo UI looks like a great toolkit anyway. So uh, definitely check it out. Um, and then the last thing that I'm going to pick, and this is something that I just barely discovered and uh, experienced myself. Um, so I went over to the conference today because they were doing some work workshops and, uh, the big workshop was NG girls. And so if you're familiar with like rails bridge or some of the other, um, coding, um, Hey, come in and we'll teach you how to write some code in whatever language, you know, rails bridge does that for rails. Um, NG girls does that for angular. And, um, you know, it's the same kind of thing, you know, they give you a project to work on, they give you a little bit of a, a primer, and then they just help you get everything set up. So um, if you're looking for a place where you can go and pick up some code, if you're new to JavaScript, or, um, you know, overall coding, it, it's, it's a terrific program, and they just walk you through um, getting started. And so um, one of the things that Corey spoke to earlier with, you know, the setup, a lot of the folks that I was talking to there, you know, that was one of the things that they ran into just getting in and getting started and got a little discouraged on it. So if I can't even set this up, how do I actually start to learn to code? And, you know, uh, just having those conversations with people and getting to, you know, getting to know them and then also helping them realize that, you know, setup's a pain for the experienced people too. And that that's not really the, the core 
uh, skill that we're looking for them to learn, you know, also helps them. So anyway, I just really love these uh, learning groups that come out of a lot of this, um, you know, these other movements within coding, because I think it's important for us to reach out and help other people learn to code. So anyway, so I'm going to pick NG Girls if you're interested in learning Angular. And uh, yeah, that, those are the picks. And uh, yeah, so uh, congratulations, everybody, on being part of the show for 250 episodes. It's been six years, five years. Anyway. Long been, time. Yeah. So uh, anyway, it's it's been super fun to pull this together. Um, I'm glad you all enjoy it. Um, and I really enjoy meeting you all at conferences. So if you are at a conference that any of us are at, feel free to reach out, say hi. Because, um, yeah, like Joe mentioned, I love hearing from people. So anyway, we'll just go ahead and wrap this one up. And we will catch everyone next week. Bye, guys. Later. See ya. Bye. <laughs> Bandwidth for this segment is provided by Cashfly, the world's fastest CDN. Deliver your content fast with Cashfly. Visit C-A-C-H-E-F-L-Y dot com to learn more.